This is Jay Stennett from the Sedona Mago Retreat, and we're listening to Rebellion Dogs Radio. Thanks, Jay. Welcome to Rebellion Dogs Radio, episode 33. Rebellion Dogs Radio is a present-day look at addiction and recovery, now with less dogma and more bite. At the time of recording, it is late September 2017. J.S. is our guest on this radio show. If you don't know Jay from Sedona Mago Retreat Center, uh, it's my pleasure to uh, bring him to you. Uh, you'll get to share in our little chit-chat. Let's get uh, caught up. It's been a busy fall already. Summer's definitely over. Last fall, I was speaking at uh, NADAC, uh, the Mostly American Association of Addiction Professionals. I was teamed up again with John McAndrew, and we were talking to addiction professionals about trends, demographics, creed, and how this all impacts addiction recovery. It was fun. It was in Minnesota. This year they are in Denver, Denver, Colorado. But I'm not going there this year. This year I'm going to Calgary, Alberta for Issues of Substance, November 13th to 15th. It's hosted by the Canadian Centre for Substance Use and Addiction, CCSA. The organization just went through a, a brand or name change from Canadian Centre of Substance Abuse to Substance Use and Addiction. Language changes and so do brands, as it turns out. CCSA has been around since 1988 and um, I'm sure they've gone through uh, a lot of evolutions. So um, if you're curious about that, uh, in the neighborhood or in the biz or uh, live in Calgary, issuesofsubstance.ca is the web address for that. I was just at SOAR, the Secular Ontario AA Roundup, September 16th in Toronto, Canada. Many of the board for the International uh, were there in attendance, and they were talking about the 2018 International Conference of Secular AA coming to uh, uh, the Marriott Hotel, the Eaton Centre Marriott Hotel in Toronto, August 24th to 26th. 2018. Registration is now open. You can book rooms and register at secularaa.com slash registration, I think it is, yeah. I recorded some of the sore roundup. Sharon L. from We Are Not Saints Group spoke, and that was awesome. I kicked off a chat about starting your own secular AA group or online community, and we heard from members from Washington, D.C., all over Ontario, Canada, California, Illinois, New York State. Um, it was great, lots of participation, lots of good ideas if you're thinking of starting a new uh, meeting online or face-to-face. So SOAR was a lot of fun. Just go to uh, rebelliondogspublishing.com and there will be YouTube links or SoundCloud links for uh, audio uh, on those uh, 
those meetings, some of them. We closed that event with a bit of a talent show, just some of uh, Toronto's musical talent from the amateur to professional spectrum. Uh, we've got just about everything in Toronto. And uh, later in this show, I will close with uh, Kevin M. He's got a band called the Cat Kings, and they've been in regular rotation on one of my many day jobs, Indie Can Radio. And uh, he played uh, an acoustic set for us. It was, it was great. It was well-received. People loved it. Hope you do, too. Jay Stinnett and I got to know each other through our mutual friend, Ernie Kurtz. Jay runs a series of recovery workshops at the Sedona Mago Retreat Center. If you've been a like loyal listener here, I've talked about them before. But if you're new here, welcome. <laughs> he's a seeker. If Jay is anything at all, he's a seeker. I love being Jay's friend. We don't agree on everything, but we love listening to each other. We love each other's experience. Uh, Jay came to uh, the first international gathering of what is now called ICSA, the International Conference of Secular AA. Then it was We Agnostics and Freethinkers International AA Conference in Santa Monica in 2014. And he and I had gotten to know each other before then, but we met for the first time there. John McAndrew joined us. And we talked about what would later be my first trip to Sedona, which was, uh, what was it called? An atheist and a theologian go on a 12-step call together. That was a lot of fun. I'll be back in Sedona October 27th to 29th. Just a few weeks from now, at the time of recording, it's a workshop retreat. 12-step community is all welcome. We're talking about a secular look at the 12 steps. It's not an all-atheist love-in. It's an inclusive gathering for anyone who wants to better reach out to the growing number of newcomers, who wants sobriety in AA without having to accept anyone else's beliefs, nor having to deny their own. So we're looking at the language of the 12 steps, the language of the AA way, and is there a universal language that uh, is inclusive for everybody? I don't necessarily have the answers to that, but that's what we're going to be talking about. Are there things that have to be augmented, cut out completely? Of course, it's an individual thing, but anyway, those are the sorts of things we'll be talking about. I got some facts and statistics and that sort of stuff to share, but mostly it's going to be interactive. In the um, interview to follow, Jay and I... Uh, go completely off script. Uh, there um, are some changes coming to AA History Lovers Symposium. Uh, we talk about smoking, uh, the Oxford group. We talk about Jay's life of his continuous adventure of uh, recovery. He's tried about everything. He's way more open-minded than I am, I think. He uh, never thinks my views or practices are bogus. I've never seen him put down anyone on their path of recovery. Uh, some upcoming shows to note. One of the outstanding presentations at AA History Lovers Symposium this year was Trish Travis. She's an associate professor at the Center for Gender Sexualities and Women's Studies Research at the University of Florida. 
She presented on the struggles of early women in Alcoholics Anonymous. She knows a thing or two about the tyranny of the majority, struggles for marginalized or stigmatized populations. I can't wait to chat with her. Um, we got held up a little bit by a hurricane, but uh, we'll be uh, talking on the phone soon, and I look forward to sharing that discussion with you. Uh, Carol from the ICSA host committee and Sam from the International Conference of Secular AA Board of Directors uh, will be all chatting together about the uh, Toronto International Secular AA Gathering. You can register now and start putting your ideas forward for panels, speakers, workshops, and extracurricular outings. Want to go to the top of the CN Tower? Take a day trip to Niagara Falls? Want to go to the Art Gallery of Ontario or do a tour of Toronto? Let the committee know. You can go to a Blue Jays game, maybe. The host committee can help organize entertaining things to do, boat cruises, music nights, whatever your traveling heart desires. I've got an article uh, in the queue, it should be coming out soon, about the word alcoholic, language morphs. We talked about that at the top of the show a little bit as the uh, Canadian Centre for Substance Use and Addiction has just changed their name. Language changes everything. Culture changes language, language changes culture. Today, we're in a person-first world, so we don't say disabled people because that's stigmatizing. You think that person's disabled. You don't think of all of their perfectly functional, equal qualities. You think of them as an overall disabled person. So we say people with disabilities. And it actually influences how we see that person, how we talk to them. So where will the word alcoholic be? Popular use now is persons with substance use disorder or alcohol use. The word alcoholic has had a great run. It's way better than inebriants, but maybe its best before date has come and gone. The fellowship Alcoholics Anonymous has it in its very name. Will it stand by and let the word get uh, mothballed or anyway uh, we're, we're going to talk about that um, in an essay coming up soon but let's not live in the future uh, let's uh, go to our conversation with uh, Jay Stinnett and uh, well here it is let's jump right in I am so grateful I met you Jay uh, I, that was one of those what the secular world calls coincidences and the uh, rest of the world calls the strange ways the universe uh, conspires. <laughs> conspires. Because <laughs> uh, we had a mutual acquaintance. Like, we were running in a lot of the same circles. We just didn't know each other. Correct. And uh, that's sort of cool how that sort of stuff works. But uh, you do something that I think is great for the recovery community because, you know, some people get by on meetings and meetings alone, and, and that is great. And their recovery is a power of example, and if my kids needed help, I'd be happy if they sponsored them, you know? 
and yeah. other people uh, are seekers. Uh, they've got deeper issues or problems. They need to do more searching. And so recovery has to be more than uh, sitting around uh, just sharing, you know, experience, strength, and hope with addiction and recovery. And you seem to be one of these seekers, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> that would be a that would be a mild description of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's been a it's been an amazing uh, journey for me. I like to I like to say that you know there's no top on our experience of recovery, uh, just as there's no bottom on how far we can go. You know, if you take a look at what that last five years of drinking and using was like and how incomprehensibly despondent one can become. Mm -hmm. And that level of despondency just seems to be able to, that maelstrom goes deeper and deeper. The converse is actually our experience in the fellowships that we can add, there's no talk to it. There's no talk to the amount our hearts can, our hearts and minds can be opened mm -hmm. to whatever verbiage we want to drop on things. And it's been a great adventure for me. Mm -hmm. You know, I was going to meetings and, and uh, you know, still shaking it out when my friend lifeguard George um, got in my face and he said, we're going on retreat in November. George was a guy that you just did not say no to. And so I said, oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, uh, he came to the fellowship because he threw a guy through a plate glass window in a saloon. Um, <laughs> so you just didn't say no to George. And and what happened is, is I went out to this Jesuit place in uh, Azusa, California, and uh, ran across a guy by the name of uh, Tom Weston. I was thrown in with a bunch of guys that actually were doing what I heard a lot of people talking about, which is that they were honestly examining themselves and whatever problem or challenge they might be having on the path, mm -hmm. and they were applying the principles to it and encouraging each other to stick with it. and. I was captivated. Mm -hmm. That was a very, very important piece of my my own personal development. So I've been I've been going on a retreat two to three times a year for thirty eight years, and I don't count ones that I lead. Um, and and they all I haven't all been recovery retreats. There've been a lot of different people, and I've been with some marvelous, marvelous teachers. But those were that that really that lit me up, and yeah. um, and I've been I've been after it ever since. Um, so how did you first get interested in AA history and uh, find your way to uh, AA history lovers? Well, I'm I'm best described in the book Alcoholics Anonymous as a queer chap with a strange idea of fun, and. <laughs> When I was eight years old, I was given a copy, uh, a child's copy of The Odyssey. And history just has captivated me all of my life. So I'm withdrawing 
and I'm scared. I'm uh, I'm I'm about maybe three weeks sober, and I'm going to go to court. I'm at this Alano Club, and I bought all the books. And at the time, all the books were Comes of Age, um, Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions. There was a copy of Not God there, mm-hmm. and there was a copy of uh, Doctor Bob and the Good Old Timers had 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 just come out. And, um, and so I started reading stuff and, um, I was brought up in the Episcopal church and there was this reference to Sam Shoemaker. And so I started looking at Shoemaker and blah, blah, blah. And, and, um, and it really, I found it fascinating that AA, you know, morphed out of something else and what was that and what were those people doing and and so I just started going down this wormhole and and um, and then I got a copy of the the Oxford group has the best titles of <laughs> any spiritual movement in the world for sinners only <laughs> I was a pagan life began uh, uh, yesterday um, and so I I started reading these books and I just was, I was enchanted by it. So I started, um, and then I was in my, one of my evangelical phases in the, in the fellowship where, you know, it's all work, the steps or die, MF. Um, (laughs) you know, if you have an alcoholic with a problem, give them to me, I'll show them how to correctly work the, 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 the steps. And yeah, it's a great time. And I, I hope that everyone has those, those times in their lives where their their enthusiasm just leaks out upon everyone. But the fun thing was is that I started to wonder, well, if there was something that they were doing prior that wasn't being done currently, because by now we're up into the mid-'80s, mm-hmm. and the recovery movement is starting, and the folks are coming from the hospital programs, and the the number of people coming in as compared to the ones that were staying didn't seem to be so hot. Also, in my working with others, it seemed that some people got it really, really quickly, but others, it was it was really a, a, a daunting thing. And so is there something that these people were doing that we weren't doing? Then I actually got to meet some of the members of Moral Rearmament, which was the name that the Oxford group took in 1939 when it changed from a personal spiritual movement uh, to a more social and, and, uh, you know, it was Bookman's commitment to really try and stop the Second World War. And so I I got very... uh, Interesting. I started to meet the people that um, that had been involved with Frank and with the Oxford Group, and you know, some people get excited when they meet Michael Jordan. I met this woman who <laughs> Sam Shoemaker was her godfather, and I thought, oh, that's really cool. So I mean, that's just how geeky I am. Um, like uh, Jack Alexander with the Saturday Evening Post article. He came to expose Alcoholics Anonymous, 
and to show that it was a sham. And when I started delving into the Oxford group, I'm going, well, these stories sound way too strange. But then when I met the people and heard about the transformations, not only that happened on a personal level, but on a social and political level and an industrial level, um, I was captivated and started to meet these people and go around the world and, and be involved with some of their their meetings and, and, and became personally identified uh, with what is now known as uh, initiatives of change. Um, when I got sober, there were still tens of thousands of people alive who knew Bill yeah. and who had met Bob. And so my history geekdom um, kind of took a, uh, a further back path where I could investigate things that, that more people didn't have information on. And you started doing some of your own uh, primary research, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, uh, um, but, you know, at first you start reading the books and then you start interviewing the people and, and you start reading the notes. And, uh, you know, for anybody who's um, kind of interested in the antecedents that they want to uh, uh, go back, there's a, there's a book called Remaking the World, which is a collection of the man who initiated the Oxford groups, Frank Bookman's speeches. He didn't write any books, he just he gave a few talks. And one of these talks is called Where Personal Work Begins. And that is the kind of first place that I saw the methodology which later became the steps that were in the Oxford group, which is what I was looking for, and then uh, that morphed into the Alcoholics Anonymous uh, steps. So that's a, that's a fun place to go look if you're really strange. If you want to just go a little lighter, there's a book called um, uh, What is the Oxford Group? And on page eight of that, there are four activities, which are the, the first time that it's kind of codified about what the steps are in the Oxford group. So that kind of stuff. And I started to go around and, and, and give talks and all that stuff. And the, the, the thing about primary research and being a, a history fan is this idea that in order to establish something as, as being factual, what you want is two individual reports of an event, not just one retelling of a story. And when we take a look at Alcoholics Anonymous uh, in the past and in the present and in the future, helping to uh, uh, create an environment where people are open-minded and able to actually look at things from a dispassionate point, I think, is very important. Yeah, uh, especially in AA because... There are so many issues in AA that are contentious and AA members line up pretty quickly on one side or the other side of a particular issue. And and then they have a whole belief system that goes with their position and uh, you know and an emotional investment that goes with their position. You know, it might not be fact-based, it might just be impulse-based. <laughs> Impulse-based is a real good, good way to describe it. I was a, there was a wise member of the fellowship, I believe, who 
said that every uh, issue in the in AA can be solved by intelligent sponsorship. Those are two very separate but very important words. Mm-hmm. And um, to be able to um, view things uh, from a, a, a complete point of view is a, it's 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 challenging. It's not easy, but it's it's. I think it's necessary uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna buy the whole package. Yeah, if you're gonna take the whole ride. And what influence did uh, the book uh, "Not God: A History of Alcoholics Anonymous" have on you and and Ernie's uh, other works? Well, you know, first of all, um, uh, "Not God" is, is uh, was the thing that introduced me to the Oxford group. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, it's very interesting that 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 um, many years later when I shared the research and the things that I found um, with Ernie, he, uh, he was unaware of so many of the other areas that the group had been involved with. Not God opened my mind that there was so much more to this. It's funny, there are people that say that Alcoholics Anonymous is anti-intellectual, and I don't find that to be the truth at all. I find it to be focused on experience. Mm-hmm. And we have an experience that that nobody else has been able to create yet as far as recovery from a uh, what up until 1935 was a death sentence, and we forget that because so many folks' recovery now has been available their entire lives. They have no idea, you know, kind of what the backstory is. So what Ernie did not only um, with that book, and, and, it's, and it's funny because he, he wanted not God to be a launching point, and he said not to be a, uh, a capstone. Yeah, the final word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and there's there's some stuff in there that is that is not really uh, you know that we learned over time that that, that there there are certain things that weren't covered there and and he was very open and, and wanted very much to uh, kind of pass the mantle formally to to somebody but we weren't able to get anybody to pick it up but so not God was was a thing that allowed me to um, be secure in doing my own research mm-hmm. it, it inspired me. Yeah, um, and then the uh, it gave me pointers on places that I could go and actually do my own work, and 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 then Ernie himself was one of the most generous people I ever met, and uh, and he taught me. I think ultimately the greatest lesson that he taught me is that uh, humility, curiosity, and good manners are the true fruits of spiritual and intellectual investigation. He was always, no matter what was going on with him personally, whenever I called him on the phone, he was delighted, uh, or at least he pretended to be delighted to hear from me. (laughs) And of course, he's the way that you and I got hooked up. So here I am, this AA historian, there are people that appear to be in different camps in the AA history movement. And my idea was to put together a symposium 
that would invite all these disparate people to come and get together and to create a collegial atmosphere mm-hmm. where we could get to know each other and get to share our research as colleagues instead of as folks that had the answer. Mm-hmm. We had the first one and it was amazing and we've got um, five of them that we've done and we've got recordings from them that are available for people to be able to hear. So I asked Ernie directly, I said, okay, we got this thing launched, it worked really good, we've done it a couple of times. What do you think would be um, a good thing to do for the fellowship, for the consciousness of the fellowship? And he says, do you know Joe Chisholm up in Toronto? And I didn't, and then he gave me the number and I logged in the call and that's how our dance together started. Uh, yeah, I mean, my uh, experience uh, presenting at AA History Lovers, uh, the history of agnostics and atheists in AA, and sharing some of the research I'd done at GSO and, um, you know, other places uh, through, you know, the typical stuff, first-hand interviews, reading other people's research, doing your own, and then putting it together, which I think is what people want, right? <laughs> Yes. There's uh, a lot of noise. People only want the message. <laughs> and the generosity of all of the other presenters. I don't know if I've ever heard those uh, three things, humility, curiosity, and uh, politeness. Yes. Uh, as uh, being the sort of foundation. But uh, I can sure hear Ernie Kurtz saying that, that's for sure. <laughs> Sedona Mago Retreat. To me, as an outsider, as a, a not very good term, but like I'm from Canada, I look at Arizona. Sedona Mago Retreat is a Taoist community uh, in not necessarily the Bible Belt, but deep in the, the southwest of uh, America. I, I know they've had their own run ins with the locals and and some Arizonians resent some of the California influence in their state, you know, the sort of liberalism and all that sort of thing. Can you talk about the the culture, the weird dichotomy, and, uh, you know, how it works and what some of its challenges are in Sedona or Arizona as a whole for this sort of liberal recovery you know, uh, granola. Well, yeah, so I, I, I think what I, I need to do is, is kind of just backtrack for half a second. Sedona Mago Retreat has been a, uh, a center for personal spiritual development for 40 years. Mm-hmm. It was started by a guy by the name of Lester Levinson, who's the consciousness through which what is known as the Sedona Method came through. Oh, okay. Yeah, everyone's and, heard of that. And then and then Ilchi Lee, that's I L C H I Ilchi Lee, um, purchased the property which had gone to seed uh, about twenty years ago and created this center for his worldwide spiritual movement or it's 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 very interesting that the, the Don Yoga, they're now calling themselves body and brain because their um, practice is is that if you do things with the physical body, your mind will open. Mm-hmm. 
and then you can tap into your intuition in ways that you weren't available that weren't available prior. And so they they created this environment. There's Sedona, and there's the Tempe area mm-hmm. that are the only kind of pockets of liberalism, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you will, in in the state of Arizona. And um, or Prescott. Flag Flagstaff and, yeah. and yeah, yeah, I mean, there's 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 you know any place that there's a university, you know, you can you yeah. can survive. Mm-hmm. Um, excuse me. It's it's like anything. If if you dropped a Roman Catholic retreat center in the middle of Santa Monica, there might be a little <laughs> there might be a little resistance from the locals, shall we say? Yeah, but. Um, it's uh, uh, so anyway. It's it's this uh, marvelous place where these people teach their yeah their spiritual methodology. Mm-hmm. They needed some other people to come in to kind of utilize the space, and so what I get to do is I get to bring different types of teachers to Mago, and so people like Christopher Germer and Kristen Neff uh, teach their mindful self compassion intensive. Rip Esselstyn and the the Engine 2 Diet uh, come out and do a, a whole week of teaching people how to get onto the plant-based lifestyle so that they can avoid the five major Western diseases just by changing what they put in their mouth. I've got this woman, Kai Ra, who channels Mother Mary's energy through Saint Sophia, uh, who's coming to do a do a uh, do a program. So we've got all these different things, and and so I have the pleasure of working with all these different folks. And, and part of my relationship with my employer is is they let me put on a couple things of benefit for the fellowships, just because they like me and and they consider it an outreach and, and a way of uh, providing uh, good stuff for for people in need. So that's why we. Uh, we do this in the and the so the Sedona recovery series that that I created is based on not really nourishing the newcomer, but trying to infuse and inspire um, folks that have been on the path for a while mm-hmm. and give them different pieces of information or different practices or exposure to different things that. Maybe you wouldn't just get at the home group down there, and uh, you know, I can't think of one of the suburbs of Toronto, but uh, a little different source of information. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I've been doing. History Lovers has been there for a while, and there's a bit yeah. of a spirit of rotation going on. You know, we've gotten over 50 wonderful presentations down, and... My my colleague and good friend who, uh, you know, if you haven't had him on yet, I think Bill Shaberg would be a wonderful person for you to, to have on the Rebellion Dogs radio. So but, true. You know, he's just, he's just a great light in the fellowship. And he's doing an incredible service in this book that he's written, and now he's, he's involved in the rewrites and the editing about the writing of the big book. Yeah. Which will really, I think, be a great service to all of us. But having said that, um, we had it there for five years, and then it was just a matter, or for four years, and then um, 
it was like, well, we've done everything that we can with this. Why not allow uh, our, our friend Jackie B, who's one of the great um, historians in the movement and a, a talented playwright, and so we passed it on to her so that, you know, we can get not only, uh, she's gonna, I believe it's gonna be done in the, in the Bay Area in, uh, in 2018. She's looking for venues right now. Let the but, uh, uh, old white guy step aside and let the next generation uh, exactly. breathe. Exactly, you know, it, it, all of my growth in the fellowship was not supervised by people that had 25 years looking over my shoulder. Yeah. You know, when I came in, the, the you know, people that w had 12 years, you just didn't want to sit near them because they were sober too long. <laughs> and there weren't that many of them, you know. In, in the in the day-to-day -day meetings yeah it's so it's really fun to pass that on and now we've got you know one of the things that uh, I believe is is that everybody gets to be at the table mm -hmm. and so um, being able to uh, use your work to inform and inspire people that have been uh, sober a while is a really a really wonderful thing not that anybody wouldn't benefit from coming to any of these courses, yeah it, exactly you'd have to be pretty cold and cynical not to get uh leave a weekend at sedona uh you know uh feeling like you're a better person <laughs> yeah yeah e even us you know, northeasterners the, <laughs> the word faith is bandied about in the rooms so much but I think that what we have is something far more important, which is experience. Mm -hmm. The experiences, the personal experiences that people can have at Margo. And, and just to let folks know that everything they say about Sedona is true. You know, all that vortex energy and all those types of things, uh, uh, there's something going on that, that, that is beyond syllables. And so to come and, and experience that energy and to get people that have experienced strength and hope in a variety of different areas. Um, heck, we've got this incredible woman, uh, Linda Starwolf, who I don't know if you've ever done any breath work, uh, A little bit. I, I took a, a mindfulness meditation course and I've done a bit of yoga. Yeah, well, this, is, this type of breath work is a very deep cleansing uh, way of getting in touch with your uh, with your inner being and uh, clearing out um, maybe some of the energy that you've been carrying through your walk along the planet and uh, some people found it to be a very very helpful uh, in uh, psychologically and all kinds of different ways. Anyway, Linda Starwolf uh, has been teaching this uh, shamanic breath work for a couple of decades, and she also has, uh, she'd be another fun person for you to have. Um, she's been, uh, uh, as uh, she worked as an addictions counselor and has her own story, and, uh, and she's coming out to do soulful recovery and sh uh, shamanic breath work. Uh, for folks in the 12-step community. So it's really going to be fun. It's, like I 
it. So, I mean, that's the kind of thing, just to give people another wormhole to kind of go by. Uh, Father Tim Meyer will be doing something for us in 2018 or 19 on PTSD mm-hmm. and, uh, and um, you know, the 12-step community is shot through with folks that are, you know, that have that challenge, um, myself included. And, and so about how it is that you can become aware of different things so you can apply the principles that we're so familiar with to help you navigate the world with more ease and equanimity. Uh, in the 70s, what we used to say was a little cruder. It was, you don't have to be crazy to be an AA, but it helps. Yes, that's right. That's right. And, um, well, I mean, if the crazy isn't there, then why do we have a second step? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, quit drinking, repeat. <laughs> It's not like it was a subterfuge. The sanity question is right up front. Um, But uh, yeah, so it's so there's that, and there's um, we're also going to be doing a uh, uh, mindful self compassion. uh, We'll walk through the twelve steps with mindful self compassion, and uh, Adele and I will be doing our loving sober. Retreat on uh, spiritual intimacy in uh, in eighteen. Also, so we got we've got five of these uh, programs that are in, you know to inspire and inform people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have uh, an approach to recovery uh, in the same way I have a relationship to music. Lots of people love to enjoy music, but I want the story behind how the song was inspired. Exactly. You know, yeah, yeah, was yeah, it yeah. done at a piano or a guitar, or were, was it a poem first? And and who yeah. was that person? And you know, like like I like I just I get, you know, the song it just is a, a doorway. It isn't uh, something into itself, right? <laughs> right. And you yeah, seem absolutely. to treat uh, the recovery community with the same. Uh, intrigue, right? That uh, it just yeah. Gives you well, the first you know, I mean, I'm I am a, a having the, had the personal experiences that I've had, which uh, similar to Wilson and many people, um, I had one of those profound, personal, sudden spiritual experiences. My response to that was one of what happened and there was nothing uh, exclusive about that experience I've been doing my best to you know find all those different paths and and enjoy. I, I feel like uh, you know there's a tradition of the the Bodhisattva you know which is I, I, I call it the cheerleader it's just making sure that everybody that gets on the boat, and in uh, and in AA, you know, we uh, we got a large a large group of people to help encourage to get on the boat, and um, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. And uh, what are like the do's and don'ts for Sedona? Like, how do you get there, and what's the experience once you get there? 
Well, there's a, there's a couple of different things. I mean, if you're if you're coming as a destination, and um, believe it or not, we have just a ton of Canadians that actually come here. And it's funny because they come in uh, November, December, January, and February when we think it's cold and they think it's balmy. <laughs> <laughs> that thirty degree swings are really a really a really great thing for them. But you fly into Phoenix Sky Harbor. And then you can take the Arizona shuttle either directly to the Sedona Mago Retreat. And, of course, the, the website is Sedona, S-E-D-O-N-A, Mago, M-A-G-O, retreat.org. And you can actually, you know, take a, a shuttle directly out to the retreat center, get involved with the program uh, for, the, for the weekend, and then be taken back to the airport. Or you can rent a car and, and, you know, maybe stay a couple nights in town or, or, or in the environs and get to experience the retreat center. Actually, I call it spiritual gymnasium because there's so many interesting pieces of equipment. I know when you were here, Joe, you ran up, uh, didn't you run up Doe Mountain? Uh, yeah, I, I just said, where's the tallest point here i'm i'm going there <laughs> yes yeah 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 yeah. and we could see it from almost anywhere and i said okay i'll see you. and he, and you said do you want to ride at least to the base okay <laughs> yeah yeah but i mean that experience that you had with that and meeting the people you did and although i remember a couple of stories about it and and um you know so there's all these different things that one can do here to yeah, I, I would say to anyone is don't sell yourself short and show up on the Friday afternoon and fly out uh, Sunday night. Try, if you can, to spend at least an extra day just to soak up some of the uh, community and the environment and the beauty. I mean, you can make it to the Grand Canyon if you've never been there. You could make a, a an extra day in Vegas if you want to do that. There's a lot of places you can go from uh, Sedona, for sure. And Phoenix is nice as well. Yeah. And the recovery community here is really, is for as small it is, as it is because it's a, a kind of an older crowd, the, uh, the meetings are quite entertaining. Yeah, uh, Prescott seems to be like a, um, like a sort of treatment center camp i mean most of it seems to be you know recovery magazines uh halfway houses uh you know recovery yeah, they've got, they've coffee got, shops. that industry is changing but the sober living industry really found a pocket there in in prescott and i bet you there's 700 to a thousand people just in their primary first phase recovery yeah uh in that in that very small town, you know, I think it's forty thousand people. Uh, and that's a significant part of the population that's you know just shaking it out. So it's uh, it's an interesting thing. Now, Sedona Mago Retreat is its own little sort of compound or community. And yes. what do you tell people who uh, really need a hamburger or a cigarette? <laughs> Well, we, we've got a little space in the parking lot for the cigarettes. With what well, We have a philosophy that if it walks on the ground, we don't serve it. Yeah. <laughs> if you 
have to have tobacco. You know, there's a little place in the parking lot that you can go off to. But So you won't be you know, treated this, like this, a second-class citizen. You'll be accommodated. You know, no burgers. Yeah. You know, I mean, you get a, you get fish. I mean, I mean, it's, people act like, oh, my God, it's like I haven't had a burger. You know, come on. We're, it's not even 40 hours that you're actually in program. Yeah. There. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, and the food's and pretty tasty. you without a hamburger for 40 hours, and it won't even cross your mind when you're walking through Toronto, right? But, yeah. oh my God, I, you know, you tell any alcoholic or member of any of the other fellowships, you can't, and it's like they, it becomes a focus. That's a really good point. Even uh, omnivores in Toronto will go three, four, five days without eating any meat because they're eating ethiopian food or their you know yeah. mediterranean food or whatever right they just you know they're chowing down on tasty eats that just doesn't happen to have any uh animal protein in it recycled protein yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> yeah but but i've got plenty of uh you know hunting aa members who always joke with me joe that isn't food that's what food eats Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> and they're licking up my exactly salad right. and rice. Yeah, but uh, but I mean the reality is there there is a huge recovery population who w would love to have all of that without the cloud of smoke and well, yeah. Know, I mean fast the, the food. thing is again, this is not for everyone. Yeah. Although we do have, you know, wrenches to fit every nut. This is focused on. Uh, providing an environment for personal evolution. If you're still focused on tobacco five years in, um, maybe you ought to talk to your sponsor. Um, but that's just an opinion. Oh, tobacco is so be, 20th century. Everyone's vaping now, Jay. <laughs> By the way, just a little side sidebar to that. And we have this incredible study that's ongoing called the Natch. Uh, the Match Project. But one of the things that they've found is that there is a 30% increase in consecutive recovery it's without relapse if people drop nicotine mm -hmm. when they come in. Mm -hmm. Statistically, 30%. And yet we still pretend that that doesn't have anything to do with the primary purpose. Mm -hmm. If the primary purpose is to stay sober, would you want a 30% leg up? Someone uh, sort of twigged me to some a little bit of research they were doing that um, part of the break from the Oxford group, uh, Bill Wilson and, and uh, Bob Smith, who both died of treatable, preventable addiction, uh, you know, one to throat cancer, one to emphysema. Uh, you know, part of their reason for breaking away from the Oxford group is the Oxford group was very into purity and they didn't look at smoking with any uh, less dispassion well, the, the, the fun thing is, is drinking. that, that, that um, the reason that the Oxford group members didn't smoke or drink was not from a purity standpoint. The way that the, the, the Oxford group workers, and there, was, there were teams of maybe, you know, 150, 200 people that were called full-time. 
mm-hmm. who were subsidized. Uh, the, uh, if they couldn't take care of themselves, they were subsidized to be doing this work by small donations from thousands upon thousands of people. Frank said, guys, the reason, I, I don't want to get into the moral thing about smoking and drinking, but if we are living on the donations of others, that money can't be going for cigarettes and, yeah. and liquor. People always are trying to pin him down about define what sin is. And he says, well, what a sin is for one person is not for the other. Mm -hmm. But if there's something that cuts you off from your relationship with God or your service to others, take a look at that. Mm -hmm. Well, as time goes on, you know, we'll just, we'll see how it happens. But, uh, you know, we allowed tobacco in the rooms 20 years longer than any other society did. You know, like it was made world famous that... uh... Uh, you know, the first agnostic atheist group in uh, Toronto was uh, kicked out of the directory, but so was the first non-smoking meeting in Toronto. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. I love that, yeah. It can't have dual purpose. Well, okay. Yeah, yeah that's right. It was, uh, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it's just, it's the culture here, right? You know, it's, uh, which I think is always evolving. Everything does. It's maybe only a generational thing, but... Certainly, AA in Toronto has enough rules to run a small country. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And you, and you do, you know, we need to keep the main thing the main thing, which is that uh, we need to we need to cleave to to what it is that we've been gifted with. Yeah, Jay, it's been a blast. I called you for ten minutes and took up uh, half of your morning, um, but um, it was uh, fruitful for me, and I hope it'll be fruitful for others. Oh, my friend, it's always lovely to talk to you. And uh, and uh, if anybody's ever got any questions um, about the recovery series, my phone number is 310-874-2341. You know, uh, anything that I can do to be encouraging to anyone, uh, I always like to do it. Okay, well, our paths will meet again soon, Jay. All right, we're looking forward to being here in just a, a few short weeks for... Uh, for another beyond belief experience, I really would like to invite folks to to come and uh, come and join us. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to be huge, but um, there's room for more. Is there good? Yeah, 27th through the 29th. And uh, okay, so uh, we will uh, see you in the desert. All right, my friend. Okay. Bye bye. Yeah, love to Adele. Bye for now. Jay, great. Anyway, if you want to talk to Jay about the Sedona Mago retreats, the recovery series, uh, this one we're doing, or or any really, uh, you can call him and he will answer the phone and talk to you. 310-874-2341 is his mobile. We'll have that on the uh, website, so check the show notes. If you have questions about anything going on there, uh, he can help you out. Uh, if you're wondering about money, it's an all-inclusive. It's 387 for shared rooms. That includes two nights, three days, registration, all of the food. Uh, for a single room, it's 487 So we've got a link at Rebellion Dogs Publishing if you want 
just to register, there's a form there too. Let us know about your upcoming events. I know about the Arizona WAFT. Uh, we Agnostics and Atheists and Free Thinkers uh, in Arizona. That's coming up in December. Washington State Secular Get Together is coming up again soon. Let me know about your event. I'll uh, get the word out. Uh, what do you do to renew? You heard Jay and I, I talking about things we did. I, I used to love going to young people's conferences on weekends. It was a, a great way to just sort of hang with your running mates. Uh, when I was a teenager, when I was in my 20s, traveling to new cities, you know, when it was focused around recovery, I did other things too. I'm not uncomfortable going to bars or nightclubs or music festivals or whatever else, but it's nice to plan a trip that includes some sort of uh, recovery community too. So... If you like what's coming up in the next 20 seconds, Google the Cat Kings. That's cat with a K. K is in Kevin. Kevin M. He has a couple of CDs on uh, iTunes, and you can get physical CDs if you're interested. If you Google the Cat Kings, you can find them easily. Uh, I've played with this guy at different music showcases. He's a super songwriter, a great performer. If you like uh, rockabilly, blues, roots music, uh, I think you're going to like the Cat Kings. Thanks for being part of Rebellion Dogs Radio. Here we go, the Cat Kings. <laughs> Oh, you're walking down the street. 